last couple of Wednesday nights, we've uh, been in and around John 14, 10. It's not in my notes, but I thought I should read it as we begin. John 14, 10. Don't you believe, Jesus speaking, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words, because we've been dealing with words the last uh, couple of times together. The words... I say to you, are not just my own, rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. It is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Now let's stay in that same chapter, go down to verse 13. And we've been over verses 13 and 14 before, but the reason we're going over them again is because they lead us into uh, the next miracle we're going to look at as an example. John 14, 13 and 14, and I will do whatever you ask. The problem is the word isn't the word ask. In the Greek, it is I-T-C-T from uh, the word itayo, which means demand. Whatever you, he, what he's saying is whatever you demand is your rights and privileges under the new covenant. Now, we're not demanding God do something. And I remember it. In Bible school, I bought a set of cassette tapes, very famous minister, and he was teaching along these lines, and you could tell he had trouble with it while he was teaching it. And uh, it was interesting in retrospect because he taught it wrong, that we're making a demand. That the way he taught it was we're telling God what to do. Well, <laughs> maybe I know him a little too well, to think I'm going to tell him what to do. Uh, I, don't, I don't see that. But the word is atio, and it means to make a demand. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask, and here it is again, atio, demand is your rights and privileges under the new covenant. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So what if we did a paraphrase and I will do whatever you demand as your rights and privileges under the new covenant in my name so that the son may bring glory to the father. You may demand anything as your rights and privileges under the new covenant in my name and I will do it. To me that is livable. In other words, I can see that. I'm not telling God what to do. I'm not demanding God do anything but I can make a demand on my covenant rights in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, that being said, let's go to Acts 3 and look at a post-death, burial, and resurrection miracle in the New Testament. And while we're doing this, let us look for principles and patterns. You've heard me say, Fred Price told, taught us years ago, that when you find an answer to prayer or a miracle or a healing in the Bible, when you discover a pattern, then you can employ that pattern and you can get an answer. And once you discover a pattern, a principle that works, you can work it over and over and over and over. Think about this is what we do in giving. This is what we do with money. We do it over and over and over. Pastor, why do we have two challenge offerings a year? Well, we're doing the principle, the pattern over and over and over. It works. Ask God what to give. Give it. And here comes the harvest. Amen. And uh, so wasn't once enough? No, 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 because uh, <laughs> everything's getting more crazy expensive, so we need more all the time. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 3, verse 1, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. These gates had names. They still have names. When you go to Jerusalem, the gates still have names. The Golden Gate, for example, uh, that's the gate that Jesus entered on Palm Sunday, the Bible tells us that when he comes, not the, not the catching away of the church, the parousia, 
but the second advent of the Lord Jesus Christ, he will enter through that golden gate. And so, of course, to stop that, the Muslims uh, filled it up with Hadite block and put a cemetery in front of the golden gate. I don't think Hadite block and a cemetery is going to stop the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But these gates had names. They still have names. And so he was crippled from birth and he was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Now it's okay to think when you're reading the Bible. Tell your neighbor, it's okay to think when you're reading the Bible. And it says this man was put there every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. This man was put there every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. So obviously Jesus had walked past this man. T.L. Osborne invited me to go with him to Mexico City. R.W. Schambach was doing a crusade in the National Soccer Stadium in Mexico City. And T.L., he had invited T.L. Osborne to be one of the speakers. And so T.L. asked me to go with him. And I flew down there with him. And uh, I believe it was an afternoon. Maybe it might have been an evening session. But anyway, so T.L. Osborne was the speaker greatest healing evangelist in the history of the world. And T.L., because of the crowds T.L. had around the world, he, didn't, he never laid hands on the sick. He never called the sick forward. But people would be healed by the preaching of the word and them turning their faith on while he preached the word. That's how those healings came, even the dead being raised. And so the, the meeting's over. It's all done. All these testimonies, incredible testimonies. And uh, I took my TV producer in those days. That we, we probably have tape of all of that. And uh, this woman brings a child. I cannot remember if it was a boy or a girl. Size-wise, maybe three and a half, maybe four years old. She carried the child. And she brought the child up. I was standing there and uh, talking to T.L. Osborne and R.W. Schambach, she brought this child up. Would you pray for my child? T.L. turned to me and said, you do it. Okay. So I prayed my best prayer, and nothing happened. And the lady sauntered off. T.L. turned to me, and he said, you'd like to heal that child? I said, absolutely. And he said, you can't. Now listen and learn a great lesson. These gifts are severally as he wills. Now, at this point in my message here, I'm talking about signs, wonders, and miracles. Because the word of God says in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, New King James, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, as he wills. He's talking about the, the power gifts. We're not going to teach on that tonight, but we're talking about the power gifts. So people have a wrong-headed idea even about Jesus, that, that he just went around healing indiscriminately. He did not. About a month back, we went to Mark 6, and I showed you from the Word of God he was in his hometown, and the Bible specifically says he could do no mighty miracle there. He could do no mighty work there. One translation says he laid his hands on a few sick people with minor ailments, and they were healed. See, we have this idea that the will of God is going to trump everything, and our faith is not involved at all. It doesn't work like that. Now, at this point, I'm talking about signs, wonders, and miracles. I'm not talking about our faith. I'm talking about signs, wonders, and miracles. And they cannot be orchestrated. They cannot be arranged. You know, Austin took me last week, and I ordered a truck. You can't order a miracle. You can't order a sign. You can't order a, a wonder. Although we have some coming up, he told me, 
last Friday, he said, you teach on miracles, you're going to get miracles. And so, you know, thank you, Lord. But my point is, you, you, it's not an act of human will. Because if it was an act of human will, we'd go empty the hospitals. You see it? If it was an act of human will, but it's not. Now again, I'm talking about signs, wonders, and miracles. These, King James says, severally as he wills. And you can't arrange it, you can't orchestrate it, you can't line it up. And so I said, it's okay to think while you're reading the Bible. This man was crippled from birth and he was carried every day and laid at that temple gate called Beautiful. So surely Jesus had walked past him. But now we're after the death, burial, and resurrection, and Peter and John are coming. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Verse 3, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. In other words, he was doing his thing. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. Why did he do that? Just to get the man's attention. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. Now I've heard this preached a hundred times in my lifetime, and they always focus on silver or gold I do not have. They never focus on what I have I give you. I got some news for preachers. If you have power with God, you don't have to worry about the silver and the gold. Amen. Do you understand? Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. So what did Peter do here? So we're talking about, in other words, we're reading these miracles just as examples, just a handful of miracles, because this series is on faith and prayer. And we're looking for patterns and principles inside these miracles. So what did Peter do? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Now, people can get offended at language. Just the word walk, what form of, what, what form of speech is that? What is that in the English language? Is that a question? What, it, what is the word walk? It's an imperative. Well, I don't want to be told what to do. Well, then stay sick. I don't want to be told what to do. Well, then stay broke. There was no question, no suggestion. It's an imperative. It's a command, actually, is what it is. Walk. Now, this would be perceived in 2022 as cruel because he had been crippled from birth. <coughs> what did Peter do here? Again, looking for principles and patterns, he made a demand on his covenant rights in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's what he did. Now listen, there's great revelation and power here. Because even when you're healed, you can lose it if you don't know how these things work. I learned a great truth from Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003. He tells a story he hadn't had a headache in 49 years, but he said there was one occasion that was a doozy. He was pulling away from the campus and a headache hit him, and he, he got to the, the light or the stop sign and stopped. He said, oh, no, you don't, Satan. You're not putting that on me. And I wish I had known this years and years and years ago because I have had some situations in my life and in my body where I let Satan squat. But since I learned this truth and began taking action on it, there's no, he, he's not set up any more squat points. 
So you, you learn to immediately take action. You say, oh, no, you don't, Satan. You're not putting that off on me. I mean, I'm talking about right now. And if you have to do it 10 times, you have to do it 10 times. Because Satan's a little more persistent than most people. So what did he do here? Let's go back to John 14, 13, and 14. And I will do whatever you demand as your covenant right and privilege in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may make a demand under your privileges in the new covenant for me. You may make a demand for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, You know, Fred Price wrote a great book many years ago, Faith, Foolishness, or Presumption. You can't demand that a hundred oil wells come into your possession tomorrow. In other words, you just can't be like presumptuous or I would say stupid. And also you have to understand some of this is very holy because it has to do with ministry. It's, this is not for self-gain. We're talking about what Jesus went about, Acts 10, 38, Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. He didn't devote himself to self-gain. There's nothing wrong with self-gain. I'm saying these covenant privileges and rights are not designed for self-gain. They're designed to go around healing the sick and delivering all who are under the power of the devil. And notice also that Peter demanded action from the man. Peter gave the man an instruction to follow. No action, no miracle. Say it out loud. No action. No, action. no, miracle. no miracle. Say it again. No action. No, action. no, miracle. no miracle. Verse 7, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Now in this case, Peter helped the man take action. And this was probably done as Peter saw it with his spirit man. First time I ever pulled anybody out of a wheelchair up at I-30, I'm over, I had a prayer line, maybe the width of the front row, and I start over here on the left, and I, I see in my peripheral vision, somebody had pushed a woman up to the front in a wheelchair. And I'm over here on the left, laying hands on people, and I see myself in my mind's eye over here, lift that lady up out of that wheelchair. Now, if I had not been taught by Dr. Paul Youngie Cho, I probably would have ignored that. I mean, you have no idea. One day my father-in-law said to me, this must have been 30, 35 years ago. He said, I don't know how you do it. I said, do what? He said, every time you stand up and open your mouth, you put all of it on the line. I mean, it's a big deal to fail pulling somebody out of a wheelchair, right? So if I had not been taught by Dr. Paul Youngie Cho, I would have taken that thought, vision, what I had seen, and ignored it. But see, I'd heard Dr. Cho talk about this, teach on this. So when I got down there, I just took her by the two, I went like that, she took my two hands, I pulled her up out of the chair, no big deal. These are gifts of the Holy Spirit. They cannot be arranged or orchestrated by man because if we could do it, we would do it every time. Can you see this? And then signs and wonders are not for believers. Now, you, you could sit here tonight and say, well, how come we haven't seen anything like that recently? Because you all don't bring visitors. Did you know sheep beget sheep? Sheep beget sheep. Shepherds don't beget sheep. And so when, when we go Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and people, you know, maybe one person gets saved, maybe two people get saved, maybe nobody gets saved, well, people aren't bringing visitors. They're not bringing friends. Can you see that? And so... God expect, you expect more of a 14-year-old, right, than you do a 4-year-old. You expect more of a 4-year-old than you do a 4-month-old. And so signs and wonders are not for believers. 
Now, we, we, we love them. We thank God for them. We are grateful for them. But signs and wonders are not for believers. Believers are supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. I've, I've experienced several miracles in my life, but frankly, I would just think it'd be great if I didn't need another miracle. Amen. And that would be true in my body. That would be true in my family. That would be true in money. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm not chastising you, but we need to, listen, they have everything all stirred up politically, economically, health-wise, and in all these ways, and it's easy in 2020 through 2022 to forget about the mission. See, God wants to make you rich while you're doing his work. God wants to make you rich while you're about his business. But they've got all these distractions going on, and it's easy to forget about the mission. Amen. And the mission is people. Amen. Amen? Amen? And let me tell you what. I'm not trying to be negative, but if the Lord tarries, there's no telling what's coming from these immunodeficiency diseases that they have got going. And uh, these surgeries they're doing, the Boston Children's Hospital, they're doing uh, transgender, transgender surgeries on kids age 14 with one session, and they're comparing it to getting rid of a mold that you don't like. So... There's no telling, if the Lord tarries just, just three, four, five years, there's no telling who's going to need help and who's going to need a miracle and who's going to need the power of God. Right. There's no telling. There's no telling. So my point is, I don't know how much time we have left here before the coming of the Lord, but we live in two worlds simultaneously. We have to live as though he's coming before this service is over, but we have to also live as though we will live out the entirety of our natural lives. So we live in two worlds at one time. And because of that, we have to be mindful of the mission. We're not going to go hide and wait for the Antichrist and the rapture. We have to stay on the front lines, and we've got to do the will of God, and we've got to be mindful that the mission is people. We thank God for every financial blessing. I do. But that's not what it's about. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. So in this particular miracle, Jesus, not Jesus, Peter helped the man take action, but the man did take action. And the command, the instruction was to take action. This was probably done because, like I just described, Peter had seen it. He helped the man take action, but take action the man did. Amen. Verse 8, he jumped to his feet and began to walk. So even though Peter had taken him by the hand and helped him up, then the man took action on his own. He jumped to his feet and began to walk, all taking action on what Peter had said. Then the latter part of verse 8, he went with them into the temple courts, and I love this, I love it in the King James, walking and leaping and praising God. The, the, the Gene Langerfeld you see here, you assume that's the one that is always. But you understand, when I stand here, I'm doing my thing teaching the Word of God. But that's, that's not really who I am all the time. When you learn how to walk and leap and praise God, you're going to have a whole lot less trouble. You're going to have a whole lot more blessing. You're going to have a whole lot less of a prayer list. You know, Sue and I started out at the end of the Jesus movement. We loved it. People were in love with Jesus. And my, the praise and the worship. But, you know, we start our service at 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock and you know, people, it's really cool in 2022, you can set the length of your own service. In other words, if, if you like a 65-minute a service, well, you just come to church 25 minutes late. 
You know, if you like a if you like a 70-minute service, well, you just come to church 20 minutes late. And, uh, and then they, they do their best. And, and look, we, we evaluate the music. We look at the music. We look at other places' music. We compare. You know, we have a culture of self-evaluation here. So we're not like clueless. We, we, we evaluate what we're doing. They do a good job. But nobody can come out there and make you worship God. Amen. You know, we're not going to come out there and slap you and say, why don't you get with it? Amen. <laughs> and uh, 38 years, and, you know, we, we don't hear it much anymore. The gray hair solves a lot of this. But, you know, we'd hear people complain about standing. And my answer was always the same. It doesn't matter to me whether you stand or not. But look, if, if, if the governor of Texas came in, people would stand and greet him, you know. Well, we're talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. And uh, I, I realize we have some senior citizens and they can't stand. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about able-bodied people. Amen. And, and then, then to enter in. Now again, I guess it could sound like I'm chastising you. It doesn't make me any never mind. You know, it's like tithing. Somebody doesn't want to tithe. Whatever. You know, uh, all of our needs are met. All of our bills are paid. Money marches in the door. God takes care of us. I don't teach these things for our benefit. I teach these things for your benefit. Same thing right here with praising the Lord. Walking and leaping and praising God. It's just huge. It's just totally monstrous. The Bible says, for example, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Did you know this country consumes more? What is the, the category of those drugs? Psychotropic, like Prozac? I'm not sure what the term is. The United States of America consumes more of that type drug than the entire rest of the world combined. So we live in one jacked up, depressed country. And you got to break out of it. Walking and leaping and praising God. See, that's where your answer is. Your answer is in the joy. <laughs> I said, your answer is in the joy. Amen. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and leaping and praising God. So he didn't just take action by getting up and walking. He went beyond that. He went beyond that. Kenneth Hagin tells a story about somebody that he pulled out of a wheelchair and the guy got so excited and pushed Kenneth Hagin. I'm talking about the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, pushed him in the chair and then pushed him around the church. <laughs> in other words, you know, to go beyond the action that somebody says is needed. Amen. And while he did all that, he was praising God. I said, while he did all that, walking and leaping, and then praising God. Amen. Remember the 10 lepers? 10 were healed, only one came back and said, thank you. The power's in the thank you. Amen. The power's in praising God. Not, not grumbling, not murmuring, not complaining. This is what this generation needs more of for this. This is a wicked and sinful generation and most will not believe without signs, wonders, and miracles. They won't believe. We can talk all day long about miracles in the Bible, but people want to see something today. But it gets harder. It's harder every year because people are so biblically ignorant. With, bibl with biblical ignorance comes a hardening of the heart. And it's harder and harder and harder. I mean, for example, you know, Kenneth Hagin tells one story about a Baptist woman that was brought to him and uh, she had never been taught healing. And he said, if I can show it to you in the word of God, will you believe it? Well, sure. And so he said, uh, Use your own Bible. 
You know, because if you use the minister's Bible, they might think there's something in there that's not in theirs. Read Matthew 8, 17 out of your own Bible. Jesus took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Past tense. All right, go to... She said, I didn't know that was in there. Well, of course, because the church she went to never taught it. 1 Peter 2, 24. By his stripes we have been healed. Past tense. And he he said... Do you see that? I was never taught that. Well, do you believe the Bible? Yes. Do you believe that's for you? Yes. And she was healed. But see, if people don't, if people don't start with a respect for the Bible, how are you going to get them anywhere? And that's what's happened, not just because of the public schools and the universities, but because when people go to church, nobody's using the Bible in their sermons. There's a lack of respect for the word of God. You're not going to get anything from the Lord with a lack of respect for the word of God. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. And that's the level of respect we ought to have for the Bible. Every word. Verse 9, when all the people saw him walking and praising God. See, that's what this generation needs. That's what this generation needs. Because the... I mean, think about it. The last great healing revival in this country was in the 40s and 50s. We, have, we now have a generation that's never seen it. They've never seen it. And we have healings. I, I could have people raise their hands on how many are here tonight that have been healed, even healed of cancer. There'd be a lot of hands go up. But that's, that's not like bringing a sinner in. See, if a, if a Christian gets saved, they think, well, praise God. But you get a sinner, you get a sinner healed, they're going to go tell everybody because they're just dumbstruck. And signs and wonders and miracles are not really for believers, they're for unbelievers. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now let's do another one and quit. Acts, well, no, let's finish the story on this. Acts 3, let's skip down to verse 11. When the beggar had held, while the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. Kenneth Hagin tells another story about, he, he never bought a tent, but sometimes preachers would invite him to preach in a tent that they had rented. And he was preaching in a tent. There was a little boy healed of polio instantly, miraculously. A, a boy crippled from polio instantly, miraculously healed from polio and began to run back and forth across the stage. And the crowd swarmed him and and he had to be rescued from the crowd. And he had to explain to them, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I don't have the power to do that. But see, when people see something really spectacular, it's going to get their attention. And this generation hasn't seen it. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? So we know it wasn't Peter or John's power or holiness that had made this man walk. And notice also how he's careful to give the credit, the glory, and the honor to God. You know, he didn't say, uh, subscribe to my podcast and I'll tell you how to do this. He didn't say, uh, you know, for an offering of $10,000, you know, uh, it can be yours too. He didn't say, uh, you want to get on our mailing list. The God of Abraham, verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, he's, he's talking to them about what they can understand. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Now notice, this is not PC. He's not pulling punches. He's not smoothing it over. He's not doing a feel-good message. And here it is. This is the answer, and this is the key, and this is how the miracle occurred. Verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus. 
My God, that's rugged. You know how you have faith in the name of Jesus when you pray in the prayer, you pray in the name of Jesus and then that's it. And it can be a hard thing to do. Because we want to pray a prayer in the name of Jesus and then we want to go do 13 other things. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know is made strong. So what was the pattern? What was the principle? Faith in the name of Jesus. And this is one reason why I know it's Ten Commandment territory, but why we're not to take the names of God in vain because we're supposed to hold these names as holy and sacred. They, they need to mean something to us when we use them. They need to mean something to us. Whatever it is, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, whatever name of God, by name, a name that he has given to us. They need to be sacred to us. By faith in the name of Jesus. By faith in the name of Jesus. This man whom you see and know is made strong. It is Jesus' name. So he mentions the name twice. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him. And the faith that comes through him. Now again, we've we've repeated this, I guess, all through this series. The only way you can build your faith is by taking action on the word of God. And I'm going to say something else too. The reason we don't see more of this is we just don't venture out. Now I realize on the job and at work, you just can't go around laying hands on people. But on occasion, you'll have people come to you and they'll tell you their troubles. What do you do? It's been about three years ago, but a, a lady brought me another lady from work about three years back that was completely healed of cancer. That she had the scans from before, she had the scans from after. It was just a lady at work. She saw her weeping, saw her down, saw her depressed. You know, what's wrong? Well, I just went to the doctor and they said I got this and, you know, they have only got so long to live. Would you like for me to pray with you? Oh, yes, thank you. And God healed her, completely healed her. She had the scans. But see, what if we don't venture out? And I'll tell you the big one, what if we're afraid? See, I learned a long time ago that... <laughs> I learned a long time ago, I don't have a reputation anyway, so it's not about my reputation. Nobody cares about me or my reputation. If I put my reputation on the line, what would make me think God will show up? But what if I put God's reputation on the line? And that's what I do when I pray in the, when I pray publicly or pray for somebody in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now again, you, this is not you can't just go around indiscriminately because a lot of times, especially with believers, let me say this, especially with believers. You have to peg where their faith is. But now with unbelievers, you don't because God wants to give them signs, wonders, and miracles. God wants, to, God wants them to be saved. God will heal somebody without them being a Christian. I know that that's a shock to you. Well, I never. You know, I've been a Christian 50 years and I can't get healed. Well, there's a reason for that. God will heal, God will heal somebody who's not even born again. Because he loves them. He wants them to be saved. Let's see what Isaiah, Isaiah and then Paul quotes this. You know, how, how will they believe without a preacher? Yeah, but you know, human resources. I realize you have to be shrewd, but if somebody asks you to pray, you can pray. Or you can meet them for coffee after work. Now you've got to be careful with the opposite sex. Got to be careful with the same sex. Yeah. Just got to be careful. 2022. You got to be careful if you don't know which sex. <laughs> Strange times, baby. But God wants to save and God wants to heal and God wants to set free and God wants to deliver. And we cannot be afraid. A man came to me in Austin after prayer a few years back. 
said he had a 30-year marijuana habit. He said, he said will you pray for me? <laughs> Again, going back to that experience with T.L. Osborne and R.W. Shambach, I don't have the power. I, I mean, but I, I, can do, I can do what I know to do. So we stood there, the three of us, we agreed in prayer. And uh, I don't remember if I prayed or Austin. See, if you don't, if you don't step out, you never get out of the boat. We dealt with the miracle of Peter getting out of the boat. If you don't take action, you'll never know. If you don't venture out, you'll never know. If you don't take the risk. And <laughs> I'll be honest with you. It surprised me, but God, God delivered him. He's, he's free tonight. Amen. 30 years. And you understand why was I surprised? Well, he's been in church, in and out of church. No telling how many times people had prayed. No telling how many times he had prayed. But God set him free. You just don't know. We first moved into this building. and mom brought me her daughter. Beautiful girl out standing out here. And she had an ugly looking growth on her face. And uh, I just spoke some words. I don't remember praying my best prayer. I just spoke some words. And uh, it was either that day or a day or two later, the girl was washing her face and it just came off in the wash rag. And the, she visited this past Sunday, beautiful, no scar. You don't know what will happen. Amen. But I tell you this, we know if we don't venture out, and pray for people, we know what will happen. Nothing. Amen? Amen? By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know is made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this completely, complete healing to him, as you can all see. So how did this miracle happen? By the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ employing the name of Jesus and having faith in God and faith in that name. I'm sure Austin's thinking, man, he better get done quick. So I think we'll save the next miracle for next Wednesday. So let's just point a couple of things out here on this one. So how did the miracle happen? By verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know is made strong. It is Jesus' name. And the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. You know what else? There's a pattern and a principle here is boldness. Boldness. They were bold. Verse 6, Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. So he made a demand on the name of Jesus just as Jesus had taught them to do in John 14, 13, 14. And also he demanded action from the man. Peter gave the man an instruction to follow. No action, no miracle. You know, there's a man that's uh, somewhere overseas on vacation with his wife. I forgot where. And, uh, boy, they messed him up on COVID. You know, they put him on that remitosphere. Oh, man. And... Uh, he could have been an invalid for life. And I just told him, I said, brother, I said, you got to do the physical therapy. I said, and you just got to power through this. I said, God will bring you all the way back. Amen. And I mean, it looked terrible for a long time. Yes. You know, the walker. And he was so proud one Sunday he came to church without the walker. He had a cane. Amen. I said, praise God, brother. I said, I'm proud of you. You know, I'd hug his neck, tell him, you just got to keep at it. Just got to keep at it. Just got to keep at it. I said, God will bring you all the way back. Amen. And uh, God brought him all the way back. Amen. Amen. See, if you expect a terrible result, you get a terrible result. But if, but if you say, well, pastor, that you didn't do anything for him. Well, I encouraged him. I, I can't do the physical therapy for him. I can't, I can't do that for him. I can't 
I can't do the, the, the laps for him. I can't do it for him. He's got to do it. But you know what he could do? He could not only do what they told him to do and above and beyond that, but he could be in agreement with me because I said he's coming all the way back. And so that lifelong cripple was well and strong, made well and strong, lifelong. And listen, you might be here tonight. The Spirit of God is saying, you might be here tonight. Pastor, you don't know what I'm facing. You don't know how long I've had it. doesn't matter how long you've had it. Because Galatians 3 trumps it all. Jesus made an open show and spectacle of Satan on Calvary's cross. One translation says, Jesus put to naught every work of Satan on Calvary's cross. Let me tell you what. He's a thief. He's a liar. He's a killer. He's a destroyer. He is, Jesus said, John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And if I've learned anything in my life, it is this. Shut him down and run him off. Because he is a defeated foe. And I've gotten aggressive about it. Satan, you're not going to put that off on me. And I, I quote the word. Jesus made an open show and spectacle of Satan on Calvary's cross. Jesus put to naught every work of Satan on, every work of Satan on Calvary's cross. Say you're a defeated foe. See, we think, here it is, we think these battles are physical. What if every battle is spiritual? Even financial. Now you got to go to work. But what if these attacks are not physical? What if they're not financial? What if it's spiritual? What if the answer is spiritual? People don't want to believe this stuff. I'm walking across my yard after talking to some tree trimmers today and <laughs> as clear as I've ever heard him, he said to me, when you give, you become like God. John 3:16. for God so loved the world that he gave. He said, when you give, you become like God. And I thought, oh my, what has the church left behind? What has the church done without? Because they don't want to give. Well, I don't have enough to give. Well, which came first, your attitude or the lack? Now again, you got to have a job. You got to go to work. But if you're going to work, is the battle really financial or is the battle financial? I mean, is the battle financial or is the battle spiritual? In your body. Yeah, but you know, and people want to tell you about, all about their genetic, you know, my mama had this, my dad died of that. None of that matters. And people think it's cruel to say that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is, what, what, two Wednesdays ago, what did I teach you? The first thing to ask on any given situation is what? What does the Word of God say about this situation? And so you could say, well, you know, my mom died of this. And see, and that's fear. This is how they controlled the whole world for two and a half years, fear. I say the whole world, minus, a, minus you know, some people. What does the Word of God say about this? There's nowhere in the Bible it says uh, Jesus took up our infirmities and bore away our diseases and with his stripes you, are, you were healed unless your mother died of whatever. Then you're screwed. It doesn't say that. See, what are you going by? What have you been listening to? Whose word are you living your life by? When we crossed the bridge on this, on 2 Corinthians 9-11, we had people upset with us. Chris Stewart was there. They don't mind you getting your needs met, but man, you know, that, that next level, they got a problem with that. Doesn't matter. We're saying it. And then we had people upset with us. Well, because maybe they knew something that we had barely come up out of not having enough. And we're saying, well, God's making us rich in every way so that we can be generous on every occasion. And they would complain. They'd come to me and complain. I would say, well, how can I lie if I'm saying what God says? Amen. Now you fast forward all these years. It's ridiculous. The blessing of the Lord. Amen. 
So what word are you going by? Who are you listening to? What word are you going by? And you've got to eradicate fear out of your heart. And the only way I know to eradicate fear out of my heart is to renew my mind to the word of God and walk in joy. Again, when, when you see me, I'm not acting crazy, dancing before the Lord and acting a fool and doing all of that. That's what I do early in the morning. That's how I can walk in victory the rest of the day. Amen. 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 And I'm not saying we have to be that boisterous all the time, but if I had a problem, I would be. We sat at a wedding rehearsal dinner years ago, and the father of the Bride sat there, younger man than me. He could barely move, barely walk. He had trouble the next day walking the bride down the aisle. So he leaned over to me, said, if that was you, what would you do? I said, I'd go out in the parking lot and start dancing. Amen. The worse the situation, the harder I'd dance. The bleaker it looked, the more joy I would display before the Lord. The worse the, the, the debacle, the more joy I would demonstrate. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And a merry heart maketh good like a medicine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Another verse says it gives strength to the bones. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And this world will beat you up and beat you down and fill you with dread and fear and you don't know what horrible thing that is going to happen next. You know, they're over there digging around in Russia, come across some 50,000-year-old zombie virus. They're out of their minds. Amen. Amen. But I'll tell you what, they can, they can zombie all they want to, but Jesus took up my infirmities and bore away my diseases, and with the stripes of Jesus, I have been healed. You understand? It's all ba- Satan operates by fear, by stealing killing and destroying but when you know him and when you know his word you do not have to walk by fear because you can walk by faith 